Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, working to eliminate cancer as a cause of death. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about New Year's resolutions for cancer survivors during COVID with Maura Harrigan. Ms. Harrigan is an oncology research registered dietitian, and Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. Maura, you know, I think to, to start off with, COVID's really done a number on everybody's health. Um, whether you're a cancer survivor or not, this concept of the quarantine 15 seems to be, you know, uh, just omnipresent for everybody. So, you know, can we talk a little bit about how can you, especially if you're a cancer survivor, but even if you're not, how can we stay healthy uh, in a time like this where there is just tremendous stress? Um, you can't get outside and go to the gym um, because there are restrictions all over the place. Um did I mention the stress? And we're all in really close proximity to the fridge. That's so true. Um, this COVID, um, the COVID restrictions really add a whole layer of obstacles to um, maintaining healthy lifestyle, uh, healthy eating and, and a regular exercise program. And uh, I deal with this with seeing people in survivorship clinic and also in the lean study with women who are in active treatment. And remember, um, kids are home from school doing homeschooling. That's another layer of complication. And also, uh, how do you access uh, safely getting food, be it from the grocery store or um, even doing uh, having food delivered? So there's lots of things to consider, uh, lots of obstacles. So we try to break it down you know, with each person and work through those obstacles. Uh, but it's much harder because it has to come from within you. You have to create this healthy routine. And that takes a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're approaching the new year and that's a time for New Year's resolutions when we can start to kind of uh, tap into that within part of us um, to start <laughs> thinking about how we can do things better. So so let's break down some of those obstacles and provide us with some practical tips. I mean, people people know that they're supposed to eat healthy and people know that they're supposed to exercise. Um, but what you're supposed to do and what you want to do and what you actually do can sometimes be three very different things. Absolutely. And what I always like to start with is that none of this has to be perfect. Okay. Uh, it, it, it just has to be kind of good enough. And that really gets the job done. So let's start with exercise. You know, the biggest bang for your buck is going from nothing to something. So it doesn't mean you have to go out and run a marathon. It just means you have to stand up, take breaks from sitting. You know, those uh, who are working from home, um, can end up sitting for very long periods of time, you know, at their dining room table, their makeshift desk. So it's so important to work in breaks where you get up from sitting and just walk around, even if it's walking around the house, or even if you can get out and do a lap around the block. 
um, that all that helps. Um, and then you also have to weatherproof your exercise, meaning look out the window, look at the weather, but dress for it because it's so important to get outside, even in this COVID environment. Of course, wearing masks, um, maintaining social distance, but you know, put on extra layers, maybe even bring out an umbrella and get outside and just get in some kind of walk. And the goal is to accumulate 150 minutes a week of walking. Now, if it's really treacherous outside and not safe to walk, you do something indoors. Um, it could be a simple stretching or some light uh, weights that you do at home, even if those are the gallon milk containers in your refrigerator, <laughs> lifting those. And there's lots of online videos now um, that are very easy to follow. So that's kind of the exercise piece. Yeah. So make sure that you, you get up and have a break and, you know, do a do a 15 minute walk video instead of, um, you know, doing nothing. For many of us, yeah. though, you know, our break from the computer screen is getting up and walking to the fridge or, or <laughs> the pantry, um, which isn't necessarily the exercise that uh, might be the most healthy. That's a very good point. Um, such close proximity to the food is a problem. Um, again, what I try to have people do is stick to an eating schedule. You know, this can't be a constant grazing. You know, have your meal times structured. And even you need to plan out your meal so you know what you're going to eat for that day. So it's not, you don't, if you walk in without a plan, you're pretty much going to just grab what's available. Um, so the idea of Thinking about it, planning out your day goes a long way to eating well. And also creating a healthy food environment in your kitchen where you're, you're surrounded by healthy foods. Uh, so, you know, the, um, you know, the chips and cookies are not out on the counter, you know, calling your name when you walk by, uh, you know, if you're going to have them in the house, have them put away so you don't see them. Have out on the counter a pitcher of water that you're going to drink throughout the day. Have out on the counter some some fruit, and that fruit can be canned fruit, right? Uh, doesn't have to be fresh. Um, so again, um, and having some type of simple cut up vegetables, sliced cucumbers, those things should be readily available. And they're so when you get into that habit of choosing those foods, you really do feel better. And that's a great way to manage your weight and, and also nourish your body. Yeah, I find that it's so important to really make the smart choices at the grocery store. Um, because if I don't bring it into my house, it's harder for me to eat it. It's so true. Eating well requires a lot of upfront planning. And that's where it begins with your grocery list. And and taking the time to put thought into that. And once you do that, you're 95% there in terms of eating well. So um, you have to create that time to do that yeah. and, you know, put in that time ahead. And it really does make a difference. But here's the problem. You know, when you say have designated meal times, plan out your meals, Mora, 
It's a really stressful time right now. Many of us are under incredible pressures. I mean, not only, you know, the the ordinary pressures that all of us have been under with work, but now it's work from home, homeschool your kids. Um, oh, yeah. Deal with a national, international, global pandemic, an economic crisis, political challenges. I mean, and for some of us, and I know that I'm not the only one. You know, stress causes us to eat and you kind of just want to snack all the time. What do you do? Uh, It's a challenge, believe me. Um, Well, you know, you want to kind of convert from, it's a mindset change. It's converting from managing your stress through eating, through managing your stress through exercise or meditation or listening to music. It's somehow recognizing that this is a very stressful time and how am I managing my stress or is my stress managing me and looking for non-food ways to be your go-to for stress, um, to de-stress. So, you know, again, walking is an amazing natural de-stressor, listening to a favorite piece of music, uh, playing with your kids, that type of thing. Um, so it's it's something that you have to kind of figure out on an individual basis of uh, what gives you pleasure and do try to do that more often than grabbing a handful of whatever. <laughs> yeah, because the, the thing is that, you know, you can have healthy food in the house, but if you eat a ton of healthy food, you're still going to gain weight. That's true. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. So managing your weight really, you know, we talk about energy balance, which is how much are you eating? Even if it's all good food, you still have to move your body. It goes hand in hand. They work synergistically. So it's how much are you eating, but also how much are you moving? So you really have to look at both sides. And People don't always make the put the two connections uh, together that uh, what you eat and how much you move um, really are um, have to be looked at when you're trying to manage your weight. And so, you know, more many of us are behind the eight ball here because, you know, we've been in this pandemic now for going on nine months and, you know, have already put on, you know, a fair amount of weight um, uh, to begin with. So how can you start shedding those pounds? I mean, all of the advice that you've given us so far is really great for day-to-day health maintenance. But what if you've got the extra 15 pounds that you really want to lose and you want to lose it now? We're all looking at New Year's resolutions. And one of the most common ones is I want to lose weight. How, how do we do that? What's realistic and, and how do we make a practical plan for how we can do that? Uh, well, the first thing, job one is prevention of further weight gain. Just stopping gaining weight is a victory. So that's job one. When you're really trying to lose weight, uh, what I have people do is actually start writing it down. Start journaling what you're eating and everything. You have to put it in paper. Um, And often that act helps you become very mindful of 
the handful of this, you know, the fistful of that, or the, I was passing through and I grabbed that. Um, keeping a food journal is, is the number one tool for, uh, becoming more mindful of your eating. And, um, in the lean study, I have women journal their food. And what I say to them is this is your conversation with yourself. And it's a no judgment zone. And just be as honest as you can with yourself. And then when I ask them later, what did your journal teach you? They, they, they start, they say, well, it jumps right off the page. It jumps right off the page of what I'm eating too much of and what I'm not eating enough of. So that's one of the most practical ways to really get a handle on, um, on your eating and, and kind of cut out mindless calories or excessive calories. Um, we then also, um, another useful tool is to look at how many added sugars are you eating in a day. Now, this is a new feature on the food labels and added sugars are uh, not what mother nature gives us. Those are naturally occurring sugars, but the added sugars are what the manufacturers put into food. And now that is broken out on the food labels. Now you want to cap that at 30 grams a day. And just that exercise alone of going through your pantry, going through your freezer and refrigerator and start looking at how your products and how many have added sugars, that can be a big eye opener for a lot of people. And just that simple act can really help with weight loss because that those are represent hidden calories in the food. Yeah, you know, some people kind of uh, look at naturally occurring sugars. Like they'll say, I'm not going to eat bananas because they're sweet and they must have sugar. Or, you know, I'm not going to have mangoes because they're, you know, must be high in sugar. Um, you know, how, how would you approach that? Uh, should we limit um, certain healthy foods as well? Or is it really, you know, just cutting out the junk? <laughs> Cutting out the junk is the way to enter this. Yes. Uh, cutting out the junk from added sugars. But Mother Nature gives us these naturally occurring sugars in fruits and vegetables. And in her wisdom, she packages them with fiber. And when you have naturally occurring sugar in a food along with fiber, that is a that does not impact your body the way added sugars do. Uh, it doesn't affect your blood glucose levels. So Mother Nature in her, in her wisdom gives us these naturally occurring sugars in delicious foods, which also carry vital nutrients and phytonutrients that um, are vital. And this is true nourishment comes from these fruits and vegetables in all colors from Mother Nature. So they are not a concern at all. Well, we are going to pick up the conversation and learn a whole lot more about how we can approach healthy lifestyles uh, in this era of COVID-19 when we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more with my guest, Maura Harrigan. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, proud supporter of the many individuals and organizations who are working together to end cancer as a cause of death. Learn more about the Your Cancer movement at yourcancer.org. This is a medical minute about smoking cessation. There are many obstacles to face when quitting smoking, as smoking involves the potent drug nicotine, but it's a very important lifestyle change, especially for patients undergoing cancer treatment. Quitting smoking has been shown to positively impact response to treatments, decrease the likelihood that patients will develop second malignancies, and increase rates of survival. 
Tobacco treatment programs are currently being offered at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers and operate on the principles of the U.S. Public Health Service clinical practice guidelines. All treatment components are evidence-based and therefore all patients are treated with FDA-approved first-line medications for smoking cessation, as well as smoking cessation counseling that stresses appropriate coping skills. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Maura Harrigan. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, healthy lifestyles, uh, especially in this time of COVID. So Maura, right before the break, you were talking to us about how we can all go about thinking about losing this quarantine 15, especially as we approach the new year. And you were talking about looking at food labels and looking at that added sugar and limiting it to 30 grams a day. So my question to you is, what about artificial sweeteners? Are they okay? In my book, yes. They serve a useful purpose. Uh, particularly uh, sucralose, which is actually a natural sugar that's just um, super concentrated so that a a wee bit imparts a lot of sweetness. So it can be very useful, uh, particularly for uh, enabling weight loss. Great. And what about this whole question of fats? So, you know, some people are going low fat, Some people say, no, 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 you should do like the a la Atkins, high fat, high protein. What's the answer there? Well, fat is is essential and provides unique nutrients that only are found in fat sources. So it's important to have fat. However, uh, in terms of long-term supporting heart health, And also for weight management, we have to really keep an eye on fat because fat's a very concentrated source of calories. So one gram of fat gives you nine calories and a gram of carbohydrate gives you only four calories. And people find that interesting and surprising. So I think trimming fat uh, portions gives you a big yield in terms of reducing calories, particularly if you're trying to uh, lose weight. Um, and again, the, the type of meal plan and diet um, that I promote is what um, is kind of the antithesis of the keto diet, uh, high protein Atkins diet. It's um, actually a predominantly plant-based diet, which visually on your plate, this looks like you fill your plate two thirds with plant foods. Uh, and one third with foods that come from animals. So all of a sudden your meat portions become almost like a condiment on the plate and you're building your meal around a variety of plant foods, which can be colorful fruits, vegetables, grains, potatoes, uh, corn, sweet potatoes, um, rice, pasta, that all works. But we're, we're watching the portion sizes on that. So And when you put your plate into that proportion of two thirds of the plate coming from foods that are are plants and one third foods that come from animals, you put your, your, um, you know, just your diet in the right proportions uh, in, in terms of the way the body prefers to be fueled. It becomes a naturally a very high fiber, 
low added sugar diet. It becomes just the right amount of fat, but also promoting the heart healthy fats, which are found in plant foods, like your olive oil, avocado, nuts, seeds. Um, and it limits the saturated fats that come from the animal products, the you know, meats and dairy, full fat dairy. So visualizing your food that way, your plate that way, really puts your your diet in the alignment that your body prefers. But what about, I mean, it's I mean, it sounds fantastic. I mean, to think about eating pasta and rice and potatoes and nuts. Um, but then when I think about, you know, I, I could I could completely live on that, but I think that I would also gain a lot of weight if I you know, especially nuts, because I'll, I'll tell you, earlier on in the pandemic, me being a stress eater, would eat like nuts mindlessly. And all of a sudden, you kind of realize that you're you're putting on massive amounts of weight. Right. Well, nuts is um, an excellent food, um, high in protein, high in heart healthy fats, but high in calories because of, of the fat. So again, that's where portion size matters. Um, and also, when, you know, when we're talking about these foods, I'm never promoting eating just one type of food at a time. I always promote eating combinations of food. So uh, let's say nuts. If you take out a jar of nuts and you open it and you keep that jar open next to you, you'll keep going back into that jar and eating more and more nuts. Yeah, we know this one. <laughs> you know the drill. So then if it instead, if you, you know, poured out a portion of nuts and partnered it with some fruit, you'll find that a very satisfying and put the jar back in the closet. That's the thing. Um, you'll find that partnering of fruit with nuts to be very satisfying. And uh, it's a way to uh, keep the um, nuts in the healthy portion size. You know, the, the portion size thing, I think, is so critical um, and something that, you know, unless you're really paying attention, like, you know, actually measuring out what is a portion and and as you say, putting the rest back right? Um, so that you can think about what you're eating in that portion. That's so important. But, you know, we're heading into the holiday season and granted, you know, we're not going to a ton of parties um uh, as we normally would this year, but there still will be feasts um, at home with family who live in your same household, because again, we don't want to have gatherings um, unmasked uh, with people outside of your household. But how, how do you kind of look at your portions when you're trying not to look at your portions? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Well, one, let's identify what is celebratory eating. So we have to allow ourselves that. So when we have these wonderful holidays, particularly in this trying time, it really means something and we have to make it special. So I always tell my patients that uh, calories don't count on Thanksgiving. Calories don't count on oh, holidays. Laura, this is why people love you. <laughs> and calories don't count ever on your birthday. So... Um, and just enjoy it. But those are one day <laughs> events. So the challenge is not to turn these one day events into week long events with celebratory eating ahead of it and then also celebratory eating afterwards. So try to contain it to the day. 
and then bookend that day, uh, the day before and the day after, getting in a good walk the day before and the day after. And that way you can, it, it, it all balances out. So remember, food is meant to be enjoyed and we have holidays and, and we have traditions and uh, and they're important and we have to enjoy them guilt free and just embrace them, especially during these times. We we need we need these celebrations. You know what my mother says, though, is she she will say, oh, but today is this one's birthday and tomorrow is that one's anniversary. And then the next day is. And, and so we, we rack up all of these celebrations and um, it, it's not good. <laughs> There's always workarounds to this approach, which your mom <laughs> found. So um, I limit birthday to your own birthday. You get one birthday for, you know, a year to do that. Um, it is interesting um, in the um, in the lean study talking with women, particularly these, these weeks post Thanksgiving. Um, I usually start the conversation with, "So, um, are the leftovers done now?" And you know, they'll joke and say, "Well." When I finish that pecan pie for breakfast, it's over. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it happens. It's allowed. And then they'd say, and then I went for a good walk. And I'm like, good, you're good then. You know, so you can always course correct, right, at the next meal on the next day. And so uh, that's the attitude is just uh, you don't blow it. You never blow it. You know, you just regroup and get back into your healthy eating the next day and your healthy exercise routine the next day. And you're good to go. (laughs) So the pecan pie brings up another point, which is, you know, I was kind of with you when you were talking about, you know, two thirds of your plate, vegetables, one third animal uh, protein type things. Where does the pecan pie fit in? (laughs) As dessert. And, um, and in we're allowed dessert. Gram, in, in that 20, we're allowed dessert. Here's the thing. Those 20 grams of added sugar, uh, uh, sugars really c- capture dessert. And what I tell people is when you choose, what you choose to have as your added sugars is totally up to you. But when you choose to eat them is important. And you need to eat them as dessert because then it's behind a mixed meal, you know, um, and therefore it, it has less of an impact on your blood glucose levels and on your insulin levels. So eating your added sugars and eating your pecan pie as dessert is fine. Okay. Eating it as a meal is not. And, you know, we all have our lapses where it may be breakfast, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, but, you know, we, we have, we forgive that and, uh, you know, have some self-compassion and then move on. (laughs) Is there a limit to how many calories we should be eating in a day? Uh, there's a range. It depends, depends on whether you're male or female, what, what age you are. Um, it varies. So like a, and I find this dealing with people who have kids in their homes. Um, they have different calorie requirements. So for example, a, a 19 year old athlete male can require, depending on the sport, 3000 calories. 3,500, 4,000 calories a day while in season in training. So that can occur. Um, but for most of us, um, for adults, you know, the average range is anywhere from like 1,800 to 2,000 calories. Um, so and, Laura, yeah. 
should should we be looking at the calories or should we be kind of doing the gestalt of you know i'm trying to make my plate two-thirds vegetables and one-third meat and 30 grams of added sugars for dessert I, I, mean, um, I am not a fan of calorie counting. I think that is just a rabbit hole people go down and it takes the pleasure and joy out of eating. And this way of looking at your plate, just eating visually of filling, you know, two thirds of your plate with plant foods of lots of different colors is so liberating uh, to people. Uh, and they're more free. sustainable. Yeah. Very sustainable. And it's adaptable to the seasons, to individual preferences. Uh, There's so many ways when you frame it up in that way, there's so many ways that you can actually uh, eat in that manner, culturally different cuisines. So it's um, people find it very freeing and and really um, also focusing on the colors and um, thinking of, I know this sounds simplistic, but it's so powerful. Thinking of the colors of the rainbow, um, purple, blue, green, red, yellow, orange, even white. And it doesn't matter if it's a fruit or a vegetable. What matters is the color. And these colors, again, represent clusters of phytonutrients that mother nature gives us. And these compounds are what lower inflammation in the body and also support our immune system. So the cornerstone of this predominantly plant-based way of eating is really the color, and that's really tapping into food as medicine. Um, and um, people who, who adopt this way of eating will say, I look at food differently now. I plan my eating around color, and I feel better. And by the way, I lost weight and I love the by the way, because we're not counting calories. Um, We're not even, you know, getting on the scale every day. We're just nourishing our body with these colorful fruits and vegetables, predominantly plant-based plate, and the rest takes care of itself. Maura Harrigan is an oncology research registered dietitian. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.